Yeah, I think that thing of like allowing yourself to be vulnerable and human in front of your kids mm. and it's a great gift for them. It really, really is. Mm. And to have like to do the cleanup and to not let yourself get caught in this idea that, oh, I should be this way and I should be that way and it's not okay if I share this part and I'm supposed to be this all-knowing, you know, powerful, strong mm. human. And, you know, I'm just, I, I've taken the route of, of being transparent. And I think that's been really good for my kids. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. I have a conversation with a returning guest, Kathy Courtney. I love having my conversations with Kathy. She has such insight and knowledge on relationship issues and personal awareness. And for those of you that don't know Kathy and haven't listened to more, well, maybe about a half a dozen podcasts that we've done in the past, I'll tell you a little bit more about her. Kathy is a relational coach and facilitator and she works with both couples and individuals who are striving to find deeper connection and intimacy, both with themselves and each other. And you can find out more about Kathy in the show notes, and you can go to her website, kathycourtenay.com. And in this episode, we talk about, again, the joys and the challenges and the rewards of single parenting. You know, few parents are really prepared for dealing with the aftermath of the loss of a partner, let alone a fellow parent, regardless of the cause. And oftentimes there's feelings of desperation. It can feel very overwhelming, a lot of stress. It's very typical. The challenges are very real. However, luckily, so are the rewards. Yes. There are two sides to this coin. And Kathy shares with us her own experiences of being a single parent and shares both sides of the coin. And she also gives very beneficial tips based on her own learnings of being a single parent. Okay, before we get on to this episode, just want to remind you, you can go to my website, prepo.com. You can sign up for my newsletters there. You can also leave a financial donation for this podcast. You can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. It is greatly appreciated. Thank you. You can also check out more about my, my practice, my therapy practice, and my coaching practice. Yeah, I think that's what I want to say about that. Well, I hope that you are in a good space, that you are breathing well, 
and that you are growing from the things around you. Okay, here we go. My conversation with Kathy on the joys and the rewards and the challenges of single parenting. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. has been a while that we were talking so it's so good to be back with you in person and seeing your face and your energy it's always good to see you too mm. and you're looking very healthy and vibrant mm, thank you and you too thank you yeah so i'm so glad that you wanted to actually uh have this exploration about uh parent single parenthood because I think there's so many people that are questioning and navigating and and contemplating of what kind of life that would be. And uh, I'm so curious to hear some of your experiences, mm-hmm. the joys and the challenges around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you definitely don't go into marriage thinking that you're going to end it. <laughs> Everybody goes in wanting the best and thinking it's for life. And then you have kids and when you're facing that, you know, when you start to get to that point where you know, like for me, it was, we've tried everything. I've really put a lot into this. And this is probably 12 years ago now. Um, It's so frightening to face that reality. Because of the unknown or what's frightening about it? The unknown is huge and then, the sadness of like, oh, my broken family, Hmm. my little kids, like how is this gonna go? And how, what is life gonna look like post nuclear family and everything that you thought you were building and working toward? So it's very frightening. And it was really helpful for me back at that time to have a friend who had already been through it, who seemed to be fine. And she was a little bit of a light for me on the other side. And it's that moment of like actually making that decision and speaking it out loud. And that is the hardest part when you face it and you make the decision. That was the hardest part for me. So you made the decision more. I think it was a joint decision. We had we had moved across the country. We had been living in California with two daughters and we knew we wanted to give up living in the Bay Area and come and try somewhere that was much kinder and more relaxed and be closer to our our families. And we knew we needed to give our relationship another year. And it was almost a year to the day where we're like, okay, this is not working. We tried for a good 12 years, 13 years. So it was a joint decision, but I think we avoided it for a long time. Hmm. And once that's made, and once you start kind of walking your way step by step into the new reality, it's not, for me, it wasn't as frightening and daunting as I had imagined it to be. Because I didn't come from a broken family. I came from, my parents are still together 60 years later. Mm. So um, 
then it became easier. And it was actually like a, a, such a relief to be with the kids without the strain and tension of the relationship. Yeah, I could say more about that, but I'll pause there and mm. have you maybe ask me another question. Or I'm just curious, was there any intentional steps that you were taking to, once that decision was made, to think that you can possibly thrive or that it is going to be okay? Was there any intentional steps that come to your mind of either how you took care of yourselves or in what way you viewed now the family that you have? Mm. I mean, the intentional steps were to be the best version of myself. You know, you don't walk away from, for me, I didn't want to walk away from a marriage and a family without some promise and hope of a much better future, not only for me, but for my children to have a model of love that was healthier. And to, I didn't want my kids to grow up in, in the tension of an unresolved relationship that was really creating a lot of, I mean, it was just such a tense household. So it felt to me like the intention was to take this step into the unknown so that my children can have a possibility to know something different and to also not like, you know, you can look at like, like for instance, my, their dad came from a family where mom and dad stayed together until he went to college. And then it was like earth shattering because then they broke up. And so a lot of it had felt, I can't really speak for him, but a lot of it felt like a lie or like, what was there? Why did you stay together for me? So, you know, you're faced with these choices of like, do I compromise a part of myself so that I can keep a semblance of family for my children? Or do I have, do I make this hard choice so that my children can actually see that you can still thrive and that, you know, in the end, even though there's sacrifices, there's a healthier, you know, there's, there's the option for, a more healthy love and a more healthy relationship. And, you know, so I think that was the intention. Mm. And communication with their father, what was that like after, after you split? And yeah, I mean, it had, it's been, like I said, it's, I'm not great with time, but it's been like 11 or 12 years. And I think uh, we've been through so much around that. And part of our dynamic had been, you know, I've talked before about the adaptive child that Terry Real talks about and how I think he and I were playing out a lot of our adaptive child strategies and there was a big power struggle between us. And unfortunately, like one of the mistakes that when I look back, we were still playing that out for years. Like there was this real kind of scarcity around like who gets the kids and five days with me, five with you, like let's count them and make every, make sure everything is even. And there was still this way we were, you know, playing out this competitive um, kind of power struggle dynamic and trying to act as if, you know, trying to hide that from the kids. Mm. Ugh. <laughs> looking back, 
didn't do such a great job with that. I think I was lying to myself about that. Would you have been more open with them? Yes, I would have. I would have done more work to take care, like to really put my ego in the right place. And that was all ego driven. And I would have, like if I was really holding the children as the highest priority, which I told myself I was. Hmm. So it's not like I was intentionally not doing that. Um, but you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and looking back, so now our commu communication is great. The two of us have finally grown up. We've both done our own work. We've been through a lot. There's been such a, such a journey for us in terms of co-parenting. But now we're in a place where uh, it's easy and you know we're friends and the kids are enjoying that mm. now that they've grown up more. Um, but I would love to have been able to go back and do that differently, that part. Mm -hmm. The communication was really tense and tight for a long time. What was it like knowing that you're gonna be a single parent now and some roles of you know the dad in the house is not there. Do you did you did you struggle with like how to show up and okay you know even the simplistic things like you know this is a you know kind of a sexist comment but you know got to change the light bulbs you're gonna have to do some things that typical man of the house stuff does even though maybe most men don't do that but was there this perception in you of like wow. I've got to take on another role. Mm -hmm. Am I able to do that? Do I want to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the stuff that you talked about, like the the changing the light bulb, like thankfully I can do that. But like, you know, there's, <laughs> there's more extreme versions of that. Right. So, you know, luckily I found a handyman or two to fill that role. But where it showed up more more like I, where I felt more challenged with that is, and again, this is roles, it's masculine, feminine, we all have those energies, but you know, I didn't have as clear boundaries and I didn't have somebody to have my back hmm. when there were challenges with behavior or there was a decision to be made, or, I mean, I would still check with my with their dad for big decisions and we would be on the same page sometimes about things. But just those day-to-day -day moments where you just want somebody to be like, hey, don't talk to your mom like that. Like, that's not okay. And, or like, you know. I got it, go relax, yes. I'll take care of that. Yes, like there's nobody there to do that. Mm. And that was, that has been really hard that's probably one of the bigger challenges that I have to be the one and I'm not naturally, I've had to work on my boundaries. I'm much softer and loving and supportive and all those things, but not as good about knowing like, no, 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 this, this is not about being your child's best friend right now. This is like for their highest good and put that boundary down. That was not my strength. That hasn't been my strength. So it was hard to have to hold both those roles in my household. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm sure other single 
parents do differently with that, but that that's just been my journey hmm. with it. I'm reflecting on something similar. It's a little bit adjacent to it. When I think about sharing an experience with Rainbow about something we shared with Xander and there's a mutual sharing. So even though we have different perception of the same experience, it's wonderful to say, hey, do you remember when and we did this and he acted like that or he said that or we recovered. So we have that um, connection with each other. What's it like not having somebody that you got to just keep that to yourself in some way or you and your daughters are the ones that are the ones that will have the perception and the remembrance of that experience as opposed to a partner in you. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good point. Um, you know, sometimes we'll go back and look at old photographs, the girls and I, and we reminisce and we talk about it. And there have been a lot of periods in my journey with um, my ex-husband where we have had times where we've, you know, we've done a lot of birthdays together. We've done even some holidays together. We've done family dinners together from time to time. I mean, we've been lucky. Like even if our communication was not easy at times, we have done a good job over the years of having consistent, you know, joint joint celebrations together when we celebrate the kids. And there's been these softer moments where all of our defenses have dropped and we've sat together on the couch mm. and said, oh my God, remember when, you know, Ada, my oldest, did this and this and we'd have a big laugh about it. And so, so we have actually managed to have those kinds of conversations together, which has been really nice. And there's moments where like I'm experiencing something real time and it feels so, you know, those parenting moments where you're like, your heart is just blown open mm. and it could be so simple, right? Yeah, it usually is. Yeah. yeah, it's like something your kid says in a conversation and you're blown away by it. And you, you know, in those moments, I've just wished to share that. Um, and that can that brings up when those those moments come up, sometimes it touches on the grief. So what I will say about that is, even though it was the right decision for my ex-husband and I to divorce, um, you never really let go of the grief of 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 losing that nuclear family. It's always there. It's like, what I understand about grief is that it never really goes away. It just kind of lives in you differently. And sometimes in those moments, I, it touches on the grief of, oh, like I wish I could share this with their dad and, and feeling like a sadness about that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And like the other difficulties, like, I mean, gosh, the other mistakes that I've made prepo are, you know, when you have new relationships and, you know, like the first serious relationship I had post-divorce without really knowing much, I, he was in a situation where he was, had just moved here and he was looking for a place to live and 
back then, you know, I wasn't really, didn't really have my wits about me and I invited him to come stay with us. And so, you know, next thing you know, this other man is living with us. And, and um, that actually was not a great choice. And my kids had to live through that. Mm. And there were a lot of difficulties around that. Mm. So, you know, and I have other friends who are single and we all make different choices around, like, when is it time to bring the new partner in? And, you know, how much do you keep away from your kids? And how much do you sacrifice as a single mom? Like I know, so speaking from a single mom perspective, I know other single moms that have chosen to just not even date. Right. And they're just mom. That hasn't been my path, hmm. you know. And right or wrong, I think it's just different. Um, so, you know, when is it okay to bring a partner in? Um, how do the kids feel about this partner? And, you know, sometimes looking like looking back, their feeling about them somehow if it was negative i would justify it somehow but i'm here to say that like if your kids are not comfortable mm. with your partner it's a really good indicator but even if you don't listen to that you'll find that out and we all have to go through the, our mistakes and our journeys and everything that we do yeah. so there's been a lot of ups and downs around that mm. and some of it i'm not happy about and I feel ashamed about and guilty about and all the things. And there's a part of me that knows that that's just been my journey. It's been their journey. We've, we've lived through it together. Everybody's okay. You know, we, uh, sometimes it's really helpful to have a, a therapist on hand for your mm. kiddos. <laughs> mm -hmm. I thank you so much for therapists, mm. you know? Um, do you ever reflect back with your girls on, would do, did they ever say like, wow, what, what were you thinking then? Or, or, uh, all the you, time. Uh huh. Great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know how you feel, Prepo. I know you have a, a really beautiful relationship with Xander, and I'm sure it's always been that way. And I think there's something really crucial about keeping communication open with your children as much as possible. Yeah. When my parents uh, divorced, I was around 12. And then I was 14 when I went to live with my father. And uh, it was just him and I. And I remember the first day that I went and lived with him, he said, there's three things to our relationship. He said, communication, communication, communication. And my father wasn't really an overt communicator. So I was really surprised. But we learned together. You know, I... I would uh, come home from school, how was school? It was all right, how was school? It was all right, how was school, son? And now I would talk, hey dad, how was work? It was okay, dad, how was work? Mm -hmm. you know, and we really learned that, and I think that that's it. The relationship of communication um, that connects parents and children, we'll be able to talk about any kind of bullshit that comes up. We don't have to focus on the issue, how do we address sex, drugs? It's like, mm -hmm. have a relationship with your kid, don't worry about it, you'll address it through the relationship of communication and connection. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then the other part of that is being transparent and vulnerable and sharing your fallibility with your kiddos. So I have gone back and 
as best as possible done the cleanup and you know kids i'm so sorry i'm so sorry that i put you through that hmm. i see now that you know that was not in the best interest and i think this is what was happening for me and i'm really sorry you know and can you tell me how that impacted you like i try to make space for them to share and and um yeah i think that thing of like allowing yourself to be vulnerable and human in front of your kids mm. and it's a great gift for them it really really is mm. and to have like to do the cleanup and to not let yourself get caught in this idea that oh i should be this way and i should be that way and it's not okay if i share this part and i'm supposed to be this all-knowing you know powerful strong mm. human and you know i'm just i i've taken the route of of being transparent and i think that's been really good for my kids and challenging because you got to step up to that transparency of authenticity you mm -hmm. can't keep hiding behind something else mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. absolutely and then the other thing that is challenging in the whole equation is when there's step parents and other people and the fear of you know like the first so i'll just say outright that my kid's stepmom is wonderful she has been so generous and so child-centered and she has it's not been easy for her i don't like my hat goes off to all the You're step fortunate. parents out there yeah. I, I mean really it, it is a hard role to take on and i've never been in that position so i don't really know but i can only imagine and i know from my perspective you know especially in the first few years getting used to the fact that for 50% of the time my kids were in the house with another another mother type mm. and that she was being a like a a mother to them and doing these motherly things and having opinions and sharing her thoughts with them and you know saying things to them that sometimes i didn't necessarily agree with and it created, I mean, that was probably one of the harder pieces of this. Like something was encroaching on your territory? And oh, stuff. hell yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And like fearing that my kids would love me less or I would lose like, lose some touch with them or, you know, all the things. So you had to work with some good jealousy, huh? <laughs> with some good jealousy oh my yeah. god and fear of missing out and like you know comparison and all those things and you know again over some years and time now how i've come to see it is my kids are lucky because they have all these adults in their lives that absolutely love them more love in their life so much more love in their life and it took me a long time to really get to that place of surrender and like framing trust. trust and framing it in this way as opposed to like this tightness and fear and scarcity hmm. um and i have been lucky i don't think it's like that for a lot of that people is not the norm no no i mean what 
what would you say more the norm is from what you see in from your practice? From what I see and what I experienced growing up, that there's much more animosity that stays around the step families and the different families of 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 just what you experience more of jealousy and um, territorial and lack, but also sometimes purposeful hurt mm-hmm. and vengeance mm-hmm. as people are playing it out in the relationship instead of doing their own fucking work. Yeah. So it's being played out in that way. Yeah. My my father wouldn't drive up to my mother's house with my stepfather wouldn't drive up in the driveway to drop me off 15 years. Oh. Yeah, shit like that. They never even talked to each other until oh. a year before my father died. Like 15 years, you know, went by of that. Oh. And yeah, it's, uh, my father wasn't gonna walk down the, uh, my sister's wedding aisle if my stepfather did, you know, oh. bullshit like that. Oh. Yeah, and it all worked the way it worked, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is that part of everybody is on their own journey, like their spiritual journey and how things show up and you have to work through your own lessons. And, you know, obviously you're a good example of that, that like you've done your work and now you're helping so many people and it's been part of your process and part of your journey. But it's so much easier when you can look at the situation with the eyes, especially if there's a good human as a step parent right. and everybody's doing the best they can. And honestly, um, their, their stepmom, I actually adore her. Like I, I'm so grateful to her. There's so many times that she has showed up in this way that has been really necessary. Like we, we had a crisis with my oldest daughter and that was actually just such a, a poignant turning point in our relationship. It was something that I never thought I would experience. And it was it was really scary. And everything's good now. Like it's been a beautiful awakening opening for my daughter. And she's really good. And mm. but when that all happened, we teamed up like mm. nobody's business, the three of us. Great. And my um, ex-husband and I went to New York to go where my daughter was and we had to even stay in a place like a studio apartment in New York for almost a week together and we just really showed up in full support of the situation and with kindness and love and it was a really powerful moment to you know it just brought everything into focus and the priorities and you know, we brought our best selves forward for my kiddo and it was amazing. And so the three of us together have been a really good team in the the later years uh, for both my kids. And I think they both now, like at 19 and 15, my youngest is turning 15 on Monday, feel really grateful Mm. um, for having all three of us on their team. Any advice that you would give people in situations like how to come together as a team? What do they need to drop? What do they need to cultivate and foster to yeah. to really focus on the the goodwill for their child? Yeah. Well, I would say the biggest thing is just like in relationship is to 
check with yourself where your where you come from is. Am I coming from my wise adult self? Or am I coming from a parent, like a child ego state of wanting to prove something, wanting to, you know, secure something, all the things we do when we're feeling threatened. So that would be number one. And if I'm coming from my wise adult self and I look at the big picture, what is really in the best interest of my kid? Like, for instance, if the other household, like say in my situation, there was a shared custody, what are the important things about another household? Hmm. There's no abuse happening. There's only love. Maybe there's different choices being made around boundaries or you know things like that. But really, does that matter? Like at the end of the day, what are the core, most important things? And it's safety, it's love, it's consistency, it's, you know, showing up for your kids and having like a stable environment. Hmm. Anything beyond that? I don't know what you think about this prepo and I'd be interested to hear, but it's secondary. Exactly. No, I believe that also. Yeah. And your relationship, your kid's relationship with their other parent and the other household is actually really important. And just check yourself, and I'm saying this only from my own mistake and my own learning, check where you're, um, might be interfering with that relationship. Instead of helping cultivate it. Yes. Yeah. And if there's like an upset in your kid because they're not liking what's happening at the other household, check the priorities like, okay, so if you're not liking the boundaries there because you get more flexibility at my house and now you're making it about that and like building a case before you join your kid, really like step back and look at the whole. And that's not always easy, but that's what, that would be the advice I would give is mm. like, maybe get some feedback, go to therapy, do what it takes to keep yourself in check and make sure that your perspective is coming from more of a wise adult grounded space inside of yourself. Hmm. That's beautiful advice. Because in those circumstances, I think people really divide in, the, in their sides and really want to cultivate those sides to be able to have that connection with their kids and so forth. And so to be able to have that wise adult to really look at what is the best situation here Mm -hmm. And it might have to be that, that we have to even trust our kids. You know, that part of trusting our kids that they may need, uh, need to put up a, a healthy boundary mm -hmm. instead of us doing it for them. Mm -hmm. And I see that, that I think is an interesting part of how can we, you know, help our kids model through that communication to talk about those challenging issues, let's say with a step-parent, instead of us having to address it directly with them or Definitely. go through to the other parent, helping them to address and moving through into connection. That's exactly right. So what I learned to do, especially with my oldest, is have you said this to your father? Mm. Let me help you. Mm. How can you say this to your father? If this is happening, and, and I did a bit of both. I did the doing it for her for a long time, which was not helpful. All right. 
sometimes I got scared and I did it and I was reactive. And But then in later years, she started to develop the strength and the boundaries to say it herself. And now, oh my God, now she's 19 and their relationship is so much better. But she is so good at owning her experience. Of course, if you've listened to the previous podcast and I teach the practice of circling and authentic relating and my 19-year-old who for years would resist anything that sounded even remotely like that kind of work when I was talking to her. That she bullshit was, work. Oh, yeah. She was like, she would just roll her eyes and don't do that with me, mom. <laughs> She's now like loves it and she comes to all the circling things that she can come to. I see her in the circling um, community share things that I'm like, whoa, you're better than me at this. Mm. And she uses it, that kind of relating of owning her experience, sharing what she's noticing, how she's feeling in response to something and communicating it in a way where she doesn't elicit defensiveness from her dad. She has had the most transformational conversations with her dad. And it's incredible to, to hear about that and to understand the, the ripple effect that that has and how it's impacting her dad and how she's this beautiful, strong, empowered adult who's now really able to uh, speak for herself mm. and have her boundaries. And I'm sure you feel this way with Xander all the time. It's just... It makes everything, oh my God, like in the midst of single parenting, there's so many times that you think, oh my God, I'm just fucking up all over the place. And like, I'm so so bad at this. And then, you know, years go by or like now I look back, I'm like, oh my God, I think I did okay. Hmm. <laughs> so there's a lot of self-compassion along this process for being a single parent, really giving yourself that that compassion, whether you hit the bullseye, didn't hit the bullseye, but also opening to know who knows what the future is going to hold about things coming around, things end up settling in a beautiful way. Well, for me, they have, yeah. for sure. I don't yeah. think everybody gets to That's say true. that, but I've been very, very lucky and I'm so grateful. And there's been times where I didn't have compassion for myself and it was really, really hard and I didn't really have anyone to check in with. And that's the other thing is like when, when an issue comes up and there's, you know, it's, it's nice to have the, the other parent to say, well, what should we do here? Like, what do you think is best? Yeah. I used to love when Rainbow would, I wouldn't say she called me out, but we had this way of her saying, Hey, are you available to listen to some things I saw when you interacted with Xander? I love that. And I knew it was going to be like, okay, but the way that she approached it, you know, was just beautiful. It was her observation and her gentle musing of advice instead of holding it, being begrudged to me, right? Or coming out hard around that. But just just that that collaboration, as you're saying, that you missed was such a beautiful thing because then I can redirect faster because I had somebody that had my back to mm -hmm. see the shit that I was doing that I didn't want to do. And instead of me not realizing it for two weeks, I got to realize it after two hours and I can change my course with them. Yes. Yeah. So that's something that is hard. But you know what I had to do was lean on um, girlfriends for that. Yeah. 
And that's the other important thing is to find some community that you can go to, like other parents, maybe parents of kids that are a little bit older, any kind of support you can get, like you shouldn't have to do it all alone. Mm. And that was really important. I was lucky to have like one of my girlfriends, Mary Cade, I would just go to her and say, you know, X and Y and Z is happening. And oh my God, I don't know what to do. And is this normal? And she'd say, oh my God, she's just being a teenager, like totally normal. Don't worry. So, you, you know, to have other people to run things by um, is an essential part of being a single parent. Like to to like share the load a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there were times where I felt hard and really doubted myself. And, and then there were times where, you know, I'd find compassion for myself. And these days I have a lot more, I still at times get scared or actually this morning I had something with my 15 year old who, you know, stayed out of school today because she wasn't feeling great. And it was like 7.30 AM and there was already like a show she was watching in her bed. And, oh, I just She's went She's already through. putting on some tan lotion for the sunny day. <laughs> no, she, no, she wants to stay in her dark room. Um, <laughs> And I'm thinking, oh my God, this can't be good. Like, you know, media at 7.30 in the morning and God, like I'm a meditator and, a, you know, I've got all this like. Good routine, it, you got yeah, a routine. Yeah, and so I went in there, I'm like, hey, I think maybe you should read a book first. Like, why don't you read a book? And she just gave me this stare, like who the heck are you? Like she gave me this like evil eye look. And she's like, I'm gonna die, mom, you know, like in the sarcastic way. And then I thought to myself when I left the room, did I need to do that? Like, what do I do here? Like, what's the right thing, you know? And so I, I still have that. Mm. But then, you know, then I have to do that whole assessment of she still has good grades, she's doing fine. Like, don't, you know, you have to pick your battles, you mm. know? So I had to go through all the, like the the checklist of- Where maybe if the other parent was home, that that could have been the other ear. Exactly. That you would have been listening to. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of self-compassion and letting things go and pivoting and, you know, just like shaking things off. And, but honestly, to round that out, I've had so many spontaneous moments with my two daughters and I in the house and it's only the three of us. And it's been just the three of us for many years. And we have so much harmony between the three of us. Like there's never, there's really never fights. There's, if there's conflict, it's momentary and then it gets worked out. And to have these moments where the three of us are cuddling in the bed together, or we're sitting in the living room and just enjoying each other and laughing and and those are gold to me. Like, I love that. And I love that it's just the three of us a lot of the time. So there's also those benefits. And um, mm. I wouldn't change any of it, actually. I, I love being a single mom to those two daughters of mine. I'm curious. I love to hear that. That's just beautiful that you said that, that, that you took that experience and made it a beautiful thing mm. for you. 
I'm curious to know what was it like, what is it like or when they go over or what's the visitation? Is it every... Well, the oldest one has stayed from, with me since she was 15 most of the time. And the youngest one keeps going back and forth and it's one week on, one week off. And there was a time that the older one was doing that also. Correct. So what was it like, like having, how did you adjust to, okay, no kids, like, is it feeling of freedom and joy? Is it feeling of missing? Is it, how, how do you decipher the two worlds, the two personalities, the personas that come out, mm. you know? What was that like? Yeah, at first, when that first started, I was absolutely lost. I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do with myself? And it didn't take me too long to realize, oh my God, I have an entire week. I have, I can follow my own flow. Like when last did I get to do this? Oh my God. And I started to love it. Hmm. But there was always this time where like midweek, day four, day five, I would start to feel like, oh, I'm feeling really like, you know, so small inside of this house, rambling around, like rattling around the house. Where are my girls? You know, and then I would start to miss them. And then the other piece is that there's always an adjustment period. So they've been in another, essentially like living in a different culture, in a different household. And then there's that transition period of when they come back and there's some adjustments. And sometimes it would take like a whole two days to really drop in together into our own rhythm. Yeah. And that still happens with my youngest. There's still like this weird adjustment day. Um, and they've talked about that a lot to me, like what it's been like to adjust to each household. And um, it's not been easy. Like that's been one of the hard things for them, especially for my youngest, cause she's been doing it longer. And she, she still feels like there's a big adjustment from one household to the other. Yeah. So yeah, it took some time. And then there was this moment of like, oh my God, I'm free. I can do all this fun th stuff and nobody's at home and I can, leave the house and and when you had a when you it. were in relationships what was that like knowing like wow i have just this human this person my person but then all of a sudden a week later that's going to be different constantly going from yeah from that world to family yeah. world yeah it's it was again that's an that was another transition to get used to and not always an easy one and uh, do I have advice about that? I mean, there's pros and cons to that because there is, you know, this kind of built-in way of having to kind of connect back with yourself. You can't just merge into somebody else's life. Like there's a way that that built-in week with your kids kind of forces you to really be in your life and get back and, you know, be with your kids and, and um, yeah, but it was like two different worlds. Like each week was like a whole different experience, but not, I mean, yeah, I think mostly it was nice to have a bit of both. Yeah. Because most couples in a relationship don't get that much couple time, mm -hmm. right? They get their 
date night or, or so forth, but they don't usually have that much time to cultivate their relationship exactly. without the kids. Exactly. Hmm. So there, there was a built-in um, pro to that, hmm. for sure. Hmm. Yeah, and it, it's nice too. It was nice to have like in my 40s, you know, this resurgence of of like remembering the the sexual, alive, juicy human that I am. Like I'm not just mom. I am mom and that's a massive part of my identity. But I'm more than that. I'm the Kathy that likes to go out dancing. I love live music. I love, you know, I love to feel alive and like have that freedom and um and be more than just mom. Mm. And then also not to mention working on my purpose work and and being able to focus on myself and you know go to yoga classes or cultivate the meditation practice and 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 reconnect with who I am as an adult woman mm. outside of being a mom. Yeah. So I kind of recommend it sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what, what do you project of empty nesting? You know, do you project that, um, you know, since right now you're not doing it with a partner that you both shared that, that now the kids are out and you still have that semblance of uh, familiar, but not because the kids are, as opposed to just be you, single parent and in relationship with somebody, but it's a, I'm wondering what your perception of how that may be. That's a great, great question. I believe that for somebody like me, it might be, well, there's two parts to it. It might be a little easier because I've had these consistent experiences of being alone and they're somewhere else. So there's a natural kind of independence that both the children and you gain by being separate for these consistent periods of time. On the other side of that, there's more reliance on the kids for companionship. Mm. And, um, you know, luckily I am, so here again, I would really highly suggest creating community, making sure you have a good solid base of friends. You've got things going on for you. You know, you, you've got interests, you've got purpose work, things like that. But uh, don't, to not rely only on your kids for companionship because that, that'll make it much harder. But I imagine for me, like if we'd all been together and the kids were only going off for the first time, it would be a much harder adjustment than than it is for me now because I've been got used to being away from them and and I've cultivated this these other parts of myself. And, you wouldn't have to find yourself for the first time. Yeah, in no, some way. no, no, yeah, not at all. So, and then the, for the kids too, they are more used to being away from me and and um, adjusting to different environments. And yeah. there's a there's a plus to that. And also feeling good that they know you could take care of yourself. Yes. You know, instead of a lot of kids go away and they fear of their parents taking care, how they'll take care of themselves in some way. Yes. So they worry about their parents more. Yes. Mm. So perhaps, you know, it's a little bit of both. And actually my oldest is about to move out. She didn't go, she didn't take the regular college route. Um, 
but she's moving out of the house May 1st and, and, and going into living with somebody else and, you know, carrying herself financially. Mm. And, and, uh, so it's a big transition coming up and she and I have lived together solidly for the last, you know, with a few breaks here and there, but since she was 15, she's 19. So she's been there with me solidly. So it might be a little hard to have her out of the house. Thankfully, she'll be 10 minutes away. Mm. <laughs> so it'll be the best yeah. of both worlds. <laughs> I have to make yeah. some rules about when she can just come over. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. Got to put that flag on the door. Totally. Now. <laughs> Don't come in. <laughs> Mom's yeah. running naked yeah. in the house. Yeah. No. With somebody else. With huh? somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's going to definitely be an, an adjustment. Mm. Um, yeah, but you know, I, have I love faith all of that, I have faith in that adjustment for you. I really do. I think <laughs> you're going to do really well with it. Thank you. Yeah. And there does come a time where it makes sense for your kid to move out. You know, it's like, yeah. I love you. We're great together. We have a lot of fun together, but you need to go do your life. Yeah. I feel that so much that dichotomy of like, I miss my boy so oh. much, but I've been so fulfilled and proud that he's been in the world, you know, living in Europe for the last six years. And he has a beautiful person in his life and sharing that. Um, but yet keeping that closeness and connection. As a matter of fact, their plan is to is when they uh, get their master's um, degree in, in July to move back here and to remodel our cabin on our property that they will live a hundred feet from us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My kid goes all the way around the world and his choice is to come back home oh, and be close with his parents. Goodness. So I, I feel so blessed with that. And my daughter love, she wants to so much come and then be with us too. So oh, that's yeah. my goodness. Yeah, so so you, that is a testament to you and mm. Rainbow really doing the right things. And mm. like, you know, I, it's just beautiful. Every time you talk about Xander, I can tell just what an easy, loving relationship that is. Mm. And how beautiful that he's wanting to come back. And now you've got this bonus daughter. Yeah. That's so I'm beautiful. so happy for you guys. That's, Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. There was a moment that popped up when you said about just, you know, coming and owning your stuff. And those moments that come from that are so heartwarming. I remember one time saying to Xander, I remember just saying, I love you more often. And I, and he said, I love you. I love you back. And I remember sitting down with him and said, hey, man, I really want to tell you, when I say I love you, you don't have to say I love you back. And he looked at me like incredulous and said, <laughs> When would I not feel love for you, Dad, to tell oh, you that? And I was like, oh. I know. <laughs> so I was like Yeah. That's I know. Yeah. Those those unsolicited expressions that come out sometimes that are just blow you away. Like the other day in the kitchen, Ada said to me, Mom, I literally could not have a better mother mm. than I have with you. And I quickly, you know, like found myself wanting to deflect that. And I was like, well, I think for the you and the human that you are, maybe I am the perfect mother. Like I try to, you know, it was a lot to take in, yeah. but you never, you never really expect that. And you don't get that often. I get it more often these days. 
But yeah, when those unsolicited expressions come and they feel really authentic, wow, does it make mm. all it worthwhile? All holy of cow. Yeah. Yeah. I love being a mom. Mm. Thank you so much for this conversation. I really do think that uh, it's wonderful for people to hear experiences of of uh, the reality at times of the challenges and the tremendous joys. Mm -hmm. And some aspect, I love how you just talked about doing our own work, doing mm -hmm. single parents and parents doing their own work. Mm -hmm. So they're not, we're, we're bringing in these skewed expressions that are not transparent, authentic. So I, that's yeah. one reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I Sweet. knew that you went through and did that kind of work. Thank you. And also one thing I'll say too is, you know, I work with so many people as you do that that like are still carrying all this trauma, relational trauma from their parents and things that they went through. And I also try to make, create an environment where there's room to clear things now. Like I, I don't want my kids and they may still do this. There, there may still be things that come back to me 10 years from now that hurt and that were unresolved. And I may have to face that, but I try as much as possible to create an environment where we can clear that stuff now, you know, while we're together. Wonderful. And I would also recommend that like, how can you have a open conversation with your kids knowing that we all make mistakes and say, you know, what are the things that you're carrying? Like, tell me how that was for you. I'm so sorry this happened. I don't, you know, this is what was going on for me. What's it like for you now? Or just creating space for that, I think is also like, why wait for 10, 20 years to clear this shit when you can actually be, courageous enough and create safety so that your your kids can tell you things without getting defensive or making them wrong for it. So I would also suggest that if your kids are at like a, you know, if it feels appropriate for their age to, to clear things. And what a modeling for them to have in relationships later on in their life. Yeah. That's the beauty of that too. Yeah. They know how to do it. Yeah. Thanks for having Sweet, me. It yeah. was so good to talk with you. You too. So what's up with you? What What do you want people to kind yeah. of know that you're walking in this world and doing your work? Thank you. Yes. So I am, I'm very passionate about working with both individuals and couples around creating, becoming more relational with each other and really developing um, skills around intimacy, emotional intimacy and then also I, as you know, have done some work with um, Fit for Service and, and other groups where I go and do connection practices to, it's a great way to start an event like in-person retreats and conscious festivals and even corporate retreats that mm -hmm. are in-person. It's a great way to start the retreat to bring people into connection. And it it really creates a coherence amongst a group such that like everything that's done after that is within this, this um, container of connection, authenticity, owning one's experience, listening, curiosity, all those things. So those are the two kind of elements that I'm really excited about. And one last little teaser, I'm not sure if this will come out in time, but I'm 
teaming up with an amazing astrologer friend of mine and we're going to do um, some like a free webinar coming up soon on listening as a radical act of love. And she's going to do the sort of soul, spiritual, astrological perspective. And when's that happening? Uh, that's at the end of April. So I'm not sure if the listeners will hear about that. But, um, you know, just come to my website and see what's what's up. Or I'm on Instagram, Kathy Courtney. And um, sending love to all the people listening. Mm, thank wonderful. you, Prepo, so much for what you do. Mm, yeah, thank you. I, will, I love having these conversations and just being around you. So it was Me a great too. opportunity just to see you. Thanks. Yeah. Relationships. Let's talk about it is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit prepo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.